0: Early in 2014, Karen Short found out that her husband John had been detained inside North Korea for spreading the gospel message about Jesus Christ. For the 15 days that he was detained, she had no contact with him. So if you hear that story, you'd probably think she has no desire for him to go back to North Korea, let alone her go with him but Karen thinks more about God's will than about her own safety.
1: I would love to go. I would go with him, because I believe that what he's doing is what God wants him to do. And if the Lord wants me to to go with him and be part of it, I would go to see the situation there. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them he sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.
0: For the last two weeks, we've heard the story of John Short. He was detained inside North Korea after leaving gospel tracts there in the hope of winning North Koreans to Christ. John was eventually released by the North Koreans and was able to share his story here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Today we'll hear from John's wife, Karen. Not only did John sacrifice for the gospel, but his wife did too. She stayed behind in Hong Kong, where she and her husband run a gospel publishing company called the Christian Book Room. We recorded this interview in their offices in Hong Kong, Along with Karen, we're going to hear some clips from John throughout the program to remind us what was going on with him inside North Korea as she shares what was going on with her in Hong Kong. I asked Karen to describe the day she found out that her husband had been detained by the North Koreans.
1: When I first heard and got it clearly uh, through a calm brother, Brother Daniel in Beijing, I thought, ah, the Lord is in this immediately, and I thought, pray, and the Lord knows, but then to know how to deal with all that was coming at me from every angle, I had wise counsel, Merv Knight, tremendously solid, calm, rock, Merv, and he was a real help to me. Our eldest son was very calm with it all, and don't do personal interviews. Don't do live interviews. They will go for you in ways that you won't be able to handle, for your emotional response, breakdown in tears. That's what they want, Mum. Don't do it. And you just keep control and you say the same thing of what you're going through to everyone that asks you. And I knew the Lord was in control. I didn't have a fear for him, only as I said, that he'd be able to have his Bible and then he would be... He would be fine. fine. He would be able to read. He'd be able to get food for his own soul in whatever situation. I never thought about brutality or how he would be treated. I didn't go to the what-if situation in my imagination at all. I just simply trusted the Lord in it, and it was God's will.
0: It seems like you had a lot of wise counsel in, in those days from your son and from Merv and others, but it also seems like there just is a calmness about you that this didn't fluster you or you didn't get flapped and flared up about this. It was just, okay, this is today, this is the situation we're gonna get through.
1: That's right. And it was a it was day by day and you really you focused on really the the most important matters of each day and it was answering every email I tried to answer every day. It's a lot of work. <laughs> with and I, But I appreciated it because it was food for me. Mm-hmm. I would get spiritual emails with a scripture that I would stop and I would read it and not hurry through things. I carefully looked at everything, every letter that came, all the contacts that I could physically manage in those early days. And then when it waned, then it was really... Working, not as usual, because it wasn't the same, but having to make decisions and do things that I normally wouldn't have to do, because John was not here, mm-hmm. and being very prayerful, and stepping back and saying, let me pray about that first, and people respected that.
0: Was there a low point that that you kind of felt, oh, I'm not sure I can keep going? No none at all that's amazing god is faithful
1: absolutely and to god be the glory in this it's not in me it's what god works in you his holy spirit hopefully and i always believe that when the lord uses you and the the fruits of the spirit work out i don't think you're aware of it you're willing but you're not aware otherwise we're so quickly to be so proud and self-centered so
0: it's one of those things you kind of see looking back you see oh yeah okay I can see Um, that now at the time you like you say you're just you're trying to do what the Lord wants you to do and you go keep going
1: it was an intense time but then we naturally we get up very early we always have and to be quiet with the Lord and read and there's always a word timely word. just sit still I held on to that and my request for John, only one thing I asked really was that he would be able to keep his Bible and I thought if he's got the Word of God with him he'll be fine if he can read the scriptures and thankfully God answered that prayer.
2: On each occasion of entry into North Korea I make a point of putting my Bible on the top of my possessions. The North Korean says, what's that? And I said, that's a Bible. That's my Bible. You can't take that into North Korea. I said, well, then, if I can't take that in, I don't go in because I'm a Christian. I read my Bible every day. I need this with me. Then they will say, now, it will be recorded. You must bring this out again. For that reason, I thank God, I was then able to keep it in my possession, even when detained for, for the entire time.
1: A daily habit. We read a, cha- a certain chapter of certain books every day plus other things. So I thought if he had scriptures he would be, we'd be on the same page.
2: She knew what I would be reading each day of the month. On the ninth day I would be reading the ninth chapter of Proverbs. We read through the Proverbs. She knew I'd be reading that on that day. She knew that I would be reading John's gospel. Apart from whatever else we read, we read through John's gospel every month. She knew I'd be reading the ninth chapter. I knew she'd be reading that. As I've done previously, when apprehended by the, by the Chinese government, I will sit there quietly and read through Romans. Read it, read it, read it again and again.
0: You're reading the same things. How did that, what was the effect of that?
1: That will really one in heart. And we would be appreciating, probably in more depth than ever before, what we were reading, and it was so practical and so encouraging in a difficult situation, there or here, facing, as we had to face, uh, separated. But then we would be united in prayer at the throne of grace and total confidence in the Lord. And I knew he was a light in a dark place, The outcome we may never know. Uh, The man that investigated him that was so brutally anti-God. I mean, he may be in heaven. I mean, the Lord knows the details. We do what he wants us to do, and we're finite. So his ultimate purpose, we we just leave it in his hands.
0: Were any of the reporters openly hostile to the gospel or the missionary work or you know what was your husband doing is he some kind of wild adventure seeker is he crazy is he a troublemaker why was he even having gospel tracks in north korea did any of them approach it from that angle or were most of them understanding and and somewhat sympathetic
1: most most were very much positive and quite intrigued uh i I guess and it was, I had a wonderful opportunity because everyone that came into the book room, they, the track that John had handed out in Korean, everyone got one in English, Korean, and Chinese. Every photographer, every re- journalist, everyone got them. So I was thankful for that.
0: And he mentioned, as I talked to him, they also put it on national TV in North Korea. So everyone there got to at least see the cover and say, hey, I'd like to know what that says, that this guy got arrested. So. So even as you're going through this, you could see that, that God was doing some things.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it was so many varied and different persons. I found in Hong Kong, whether whoever, whichever news agency it was, they were very decent. The more cynical perhaps would have been what our sons face when they read blogs in Australia. 50-50, he's a psycho, what would anyone do that for? My brother's boss said, have you heard about that idiot that went to North Korea? Why would you go there? (laughs) And so my brother's sitting there and he said, "Oh, actually, that idiot is married to my sister. (laughs) So he had a great opportunity for the Lord. But I found in the main, I didn't have any hostility. There was one reporter, perhaps I would have said that was lent towards North Korea and reported accordingly. But I told her that. I would not give her any further information because what you've printed is not correct.
0: And it turns out, as we heard from John, that was a reporter that was at least apparently acting at the behest of the North Koreans to come and see the book room and see if everything he was saying was the truth. Yes. So it turns out later you were very wise that, that she wasn't trustworthy. No,
1: and she was very forward of all that came through. and they were, Probably hundreds of different ones, but she came into the office. I found her going through my photographs. She was photographing them. I said, "Would you please delete that?" It was it was quite sensitive, of meetings in country areas in northern China, and then I and she would sit down inside the office, uh, and I said, "It might be better if you leave." And our co-workers were very helpful. Actually, they were overwhelmed, but then they rallied and. I can see how the Lord grew them, too, through this.
0: When he was detained, you get the call, then it becomes public. This whole time, though, you never felt fearful. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Not, not at all. I, I didn't. I, because I, the Lord's people were supporting me in prayer, and the words of encouragement that I received, whether it was text messages, emails, the phone calls, were tremendously uplifting the whole of our young people in Germany are affected by this because we know you personally and it means something and the letters from children in all over the states I mean it was precious because the sweet little children I know the Lord hears their every prayer and I truly not a moment of doubt whatever
0: what has happened to your understanding of the body of Christ after this because you mentioned all the letters and all the encouragement and all the prayer how does how has that affected the way you see the body of christ
1: a living organism that is not bound we are members one of another and that's our purpose here to encourage each other along the way and difference and strength unifies us actually not to be Condemnatory and uh, goody-two-shoes, because we we're all needy and we all need each other, and that makes us a living part of a living organism, with a magnificent head in heaven. So we're alive, and and the experience expands you enormously that it's not, oh, I'm just really working hard at what I've got to do here, I'm helping my husband, I work in the office and private secretarial work, correspondence, oh, then that's part of it, but now it's the people that matter and that really cared and prayed for him, for me. That touched me as much as anything. I know people were watching me Local friends, Christians, believers at every meeting, I'd go and I'd be there, sitting there at every meeting and they'd come in and, oh, Mr Short, and they'd be sobbing and I'd look at them and I think, gosh, am I that cold? But I didn't feel emotionally upset. I never shed a tear and others around me that I thought were cool and calm and collected were crumbling and sobbing and in prayer, in special prayer meetings that were held weekly till he was released.
0: And I know we did a phone interview during that period of time and I called and talked to you and then we made that available to our Voice of the Martyrs readers. Um, and I was struck by that same quote, just, just the calm assurance that you had that God is still on the throne. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't really know what's going on. We don't understand all this, but God is still on the throne. And that just came through so clearly. And I sort of understand that because I've, you know, doing this work and because I believe in God, I wonder how the secular reporters responded to that because they don't understand it. (laughs) They're like, wait a minute, your husband has been captured in North Korea. You're supposed to be a basket case, but you had this just calm sense of assurance. Did any of them comment on that or ask about that or, or just respond in a way that said, wow, this is really amazing.
1: Several did say, well, what are your demands? What do you want from the North Korean government? And I said, nothing. I don't expect anything from any government. We're Australian, we're privileged. I thank God for our Australian privileges. But I didn't expect the government to do anything because it was beyond government. He was in God's hands, not the hands of men. I went to the Australian consulate here in Hong Kong and they interviewed me at length from Canberra in about an hour and a half after John had been detained for about 10 days, I think it was. They were very reasonable and asked questions because it was a first. They were totally at a loss. They had to scramble to find American help and uh, Swedish help, the Swedish embassy that actually was a help but it was beyond all of the uh, officialdom but I it was wonderful I again I could give the gospel tracks to every one of these officials and I knew they weren't for God but they said well aren't you upset don't you miss him don't you love your husband I said that's a given but God is first in our lives and he is there for God's purpose and I believe that with all my heart and I certainly knew John did and different people came to me with it and said, well, but what about this and what about that and what about that's got to be done in the book room and uh, what if he doesn't come back? I said, please don't talk like that. I don't think like that. We're in today and we're, we're praying for the men that are guarding him, whatever his situation is, for now, for today, and we're very thankful.
0: And that is just such an earth-shattering thing to to most people who would say, you know, you should be upset. What, mm-hmm. What's wrong? How did you find out that event that he was going to be released? Or, or what happened that let you know my husband's coming home?
1: I got a phone call. I was reading. Uh, it was about 7 in the morning and a reporter, I think he was CNN reporter, rang me. Have you heard the news? I said, what news? That your husband's uh, leave... Been released? I said, no, I haven't. And he was ahead of the Australian Consulate, who Canberra rang me probably two hours later and said with it's a possibility, because they couldn't they didn't know for sure. But North Korea actually let the news out to South Korea and then it would gone journalist media wide
0: When were you able to actually speak to John and hear his side of the story?
1: It was probably The flight was 9am from Pyongyang landed in Beijing at 10. I think it was probably about nearly midday and he I received a phone call and all the journalists said as soon as he rings we want to be there and take your photograph I said no I said the doors there no not at all and so then he rang and he was really emotional and with what he'd seen on his arrival, because again, from his perspective, he had no idea of the meteor floodgate that was there waiting for him.
2: The first shock was that when the plane landed, there at the exit of the plane was a representative of the Australian government. He said, I think you need to prepare yourself. I said, what for? He said, there are a bevy Uh, photographers, CNN and BBC are all here. I said, really, I was not ready for this. As I told my family later, I was very vulnerable. I had not shed a tear at this point, but then suddenly when the door opened and this this cavalcade of photographers and people shouting, and will you make a statement, Mr. Short? It was just too much for me. It was uh, an emotional uh, overcoming.
1: They wanted me to say, what do you feel? What are your emotions? And I said, very thankful. Thank God, thank God, thank God, is all I would say, which is what I really felt. Another thing we both often do is we fast. So I didn't eat for 15 days, and I think that gave me the clear focus as well. And John hadn't, he'd declined. From eating for <laughs> first he told
0: them he wasn't hungry <laughs> yeah, that's it that's it
1: he didn't want to offend anybody but and that helped so he said I think it's good if you come up and meet me up here the next day I, I think we got straight away got flights straight up with two local sisters I he said come with these two very special uh close sisters
0: how did God minister to you during this during the time he was held Uh, I mean, you've mentioned your devotional times, you've mentioned the fact that you and him were reading the same passages of scripture, Um, but how, how did you experience God in maybe a new way or a different way than you would on a normal day?
1: Focus and priority. Everything that was not of necessity falls away. I mean, you are totally focused on the main point and that was praying for John, being spiritually calm and quiet to deal with all the demands and of coming from every area, of every form of communication. And I I just knew I needed to be quiet before the Lord, that I couldn't be scattered, uh, even for our own sons. But they all wanted to come. I said, no, you can't do anything. Where you are, pray and be quiet for Dad. And he's in the Lord's hands, you all know that. And of course our workers here are amazing. They came and said, anything you need. They came with funds and anything, so you, you don't have to be concerned about anything. And they were careful that, well, they didn't ever say, they know not to say to me, what if, because it's not in our dictionary at all.
0: So what is in your dictionary in place of what if?
1: It's not ever been a part of it, but I say the Lord's will. And the verse, when we were married, it was not my will, but thine be done. And it's the best. It's absolutely the best to trust God with all your heart, to do what he wants you to do. It's not a mystery. Where you are today is where God wants you to be, unless he puts it in your heart to go out, to go on, to go over, the Lord knows. But if you're willing to be willing, you will know what to do because his will is perfect.
0: Is there anything about your experience with John being detained in North Korea where you look back and say, I wish I would have done this a little bit differently?
1: I would go with him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, why? Uh,
1: Because... I believe that what he's doing is what God wants him to do. And if the Lord wants me to, to go with him and be part of it, I would go. But mostly I support him from here because there's the responsibilities of the ministry, the literature ministry here. But I would love to go to see in real time the situation there. But should it be the Lord's will, I ha- I don't have any problem with that bar very few people one or two you're not going back there again are you john well i'm praying about it you're not serious i am
0: (laughs) yes we talked about that too and i was i was not one of the one or two who just said oh yeah okay it's like why would you do that but you you've given him to the lord a long time ago and so It's a natural part of your life and your ministry to say, absolutely go.
1: Yes, it is.
0: Was that sort of part of the deal when you got married? I mean, he was already involved in ministry. He was already doing that. So you understood that from day one. Uh, This is a guy who's going to do ministry and I need to, I want to be a part of that.
1: That's right. And he said before we are married, as I said to you, the Lord is first. It was a a learning curve, but I could see the kind of man that he he is. Generous, open, and I had to learn that. And when I saw, ah, Lord, I don't ever want to hinder this. I need an enlarged heart to be all that I can to help him in whatever he does, that I always only want to ever be a help, not a hindrance.
0: So what would your advice be to those who are thinking about getting married, uh, perhaps even to a, a minister or a missionary or someone that God has called, uh, because you, you came into that situation, would, you, would there be some advice that you would pass on to them?
1: When, my, when I left Australia and my father it was totally, I believe, spiritual in the advice he gave me. He said, stay near the Lord, read the Word of God for your life, and you'll overcome in whatever situation you're in. That you're willing to be willing, I believe. And you've got to have an anchor and a foundation. That it's God first. It's not your infatuation with each other or Love, love is wonderful but I believe respecting each other is absolutely vital that you esteem each other, you want the best for each other and whatever, whatever it takes that you're willing to do whatever it takes and it's not about you, a wife is to help from my perspective and I'm totally free in that and totally in the enjoyment of that. John knows what he's doing. I just do what I can to help and follow. To me, this, it takes all the strain out of anything.
0: That's Karen Short in an interview that I recorded with her in Hong Kong. The marriage advice that she received held up very well when her husband John was detained and questioned for 15 days inside North Korea. It's not just good advice for wives who are about to head to the mission field. It's applicable for all of us. The stories that we share here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio have practical implications for all of our lives. When you hear about the challenges that John and Karen Short faced in their marriage when he was detained in North Korea, it helps all of us gain perspective on the challenges we may be facing in our own homes. When you hear about someone like John Short willing to go to prison to share his faith in North Korea, it challenges us to share our faith wherever we live. You know, you can hear more stories like this every week here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio, Check us out online at vomradio.net. You may also want to subscribe to the VOM Radio podcast or sign up for Voice of the Martyrs' free monthly newsletter where we share these stories in print form. Next week on the program, we're going to hear from another couple traveling into dangerous places to share the gospel. We're going to hear from Nick and Ruth Ripkin, the authors of a book and now a film called The Insanity of God. Please come back and join us next week here on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network.